Paul is a marked man. Uh, For several chapters now, he has been condemned. He was condemned in Jerusalem. Despite every, every enemy's efforts, there was no proof that justified him being condemned. He was then passed on to Caesarea, a governor named Felix. He was condemned there as well, even though there was still no proof that could be found of his guilt. He is a marked man, marked specifically for condemnation by those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's in the hands of a new governor whose name is Festus. Chapters 25 and 26 of the book of Acts is Festus, the governor of Caesarea, trying to figure out what Paul is guilty of so that he can be condemned or released. But he's holding him captive. I want you to look at Festus's efforts here. Look in chapter 25, starting in verse 27. He invites those who hate Paul to come and bring testimony against him. And they brought many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Verse 8, Paul says, I haven't, I haven't done anything against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple of God, nor against Caesar, the Roman government. There's nothing political that I've done. But Festus wants to deliver Paul over to the Jews who want to kill him. And Paul says, I shouldn't be delivered back over to them. I am a citizen of Caesar's. If I am a wrongdoer, he says in verse 11, and I've committed anything that that is deserving of death, I'm not going to try to escape death, but you have to prove it. And if you can't prove it, no one can give me up to these murderers. And so he says this is very important. At the end of verse 11, I appeal to Caesar, which means don't send me to Jerusalem, send me to Rome. And then Festus agrees in verse 12, to Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Chapter 25, Festus has no more evidence than he started with that will justify him sending Paul to his great boss. And he's afraid of doing this. What will Caesar think of me if I send someone condemned without any charges that have been proven against him? So he he decides maybe if this is a Jewish problem, maybe I'll get a Jewish king to help me. So he recruits this man named Herod Agrippa. I want you to understand who it is that the Romans have to get to help them determine whether Paul is guilty. Herod Agrippa. The great-grandson of one of the, the, the very man who sought to kill baby Jesus. This is the grandson of the one who did kill John the Baptist. The one who's supposed to be helping the Roman governor determine if Paul is guilty. 
is the one who is the son of the man who killed the Apostle James and who tried to kill the Apostle Peter. And so he looks to him. Look in chapter 25 and in verse 24. Agrippa comes in and Festus says, King Agrippa, this man, Paul, the whole Jewish, are petitioning me, shouting that he should not live any longer I have found that he has done nothing deserving of death. But he's appealing to the emperor, Caesar, and I'm going to send them to Caesar. Look at this, verse 26. I have nothing to write to my Lord Caesar about him. I have nothing to defend the fact that I say he should be condemned. Chapters 25 and 26 are asking this question. What are you guilty of? The whole purpose of these two chapters is to to bring out for us what Paul is guilty of. They're calling all the witnesses. What is he guilty of? In chapter 26, Paul is going to take the witness stand and he's going to answer this way. Listen, what are you guilty of? He's guilty only of this, of following Jesus Christ. Following Christ is his only crime. And that's a crime to them. If you are faithful to Jesus Christ, you will be mistreated by men. That may not sound like a great sales pitch to you if you're not following Jesus Christ. And you just need to hear from me from this pulpit. If you decide to follow Christ, He may make your life more painful. Church, it is not possible to make it through this life without someone accusing you. You are going to be guilty in someone's eyes. Like Paul is. You are going to break someone's laws. But Paul is innocent before God and guilty before men. What are you guilty of? Another way to ask it is who in your life says that you're guilty? I want to encourage you this morning from these two chapters to not live your life trying to keep people from being upset at you. If you live your life trying to keep everyone around you not from being upset at you, you've got a problem. Because Jesus says, if everyone in your life speaks well of you, God doesn't think much of you. Listen to exactly what he says in Luke 6. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. In other words, to get everyone to speak well of you, you have to lie to them. 
You have to hide the truth of who Christ is. The worst, the highest capital crime in this world. I want you to understand as we look at what Paul is facing, the highest capital crime in the world. The thing that the majority of the world hates is following Christ. Because the world doesn't want a king. And that's who he is. But listen to me, church. Following Christ is the only alibi that is acceptable in God's court. And so, we all have a decision to make. Whose not guilty verdict are you living for? I want to encourage us from the testimony that Paul then stands up in chapter 26 and gives to King Agrippa and to Governor Festus. I want to encourage you to let his testimony be yours. And that is this. This is the sermon in a sentence. Following Christ should be your only crime. Following Christ should be your only crime. It is a crime to many for you to do this, but let this be the only crime you commit. We're going to walk through chapter 26 with Paul's answer to the question, what are you guilty of? Point number one comes in chapter 26, verses 1 through 11, where Paul answers, well, I'll tell you this, I didn't betray you. When they come and accuse him of betraying the religion of God, He says, I did not betray the religion of God and I did not betray you. Look at chapter 26, verse 2, where he turns to this king who the Roman governor has put before him to help him figure out what Paul is guilty of so that he has an answer to Caesar whenever he sends Paul away to Caesar. Paul looks to Agrippa in verse 2 and he says, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. They've accused him of betraying God and betraying them. But look in verses 4 through 6. He says, I didn't betray them. I didn't betray God. I was a faithful, not just a Jew, but a Pharisee, the, the strictest of Jews. And I was in line with them. Why am I on trial, Jewish king? It is because I've been consistent what, what, what we all are supposed to believe, that God raises the dead. And that's what I preach, that God raised the dead. I haven't betrayed you. Verses 9 through 11. I was faithful even to the Jewish authorities who were above me. They sent me out to persecute, to punish the Christians. And I carried that out to honor God because I thought that's what was right. I didn't betray you. In other words, those who accuse me are the ones who were unfaithful. Look how he makes that explicit. All those who are saying that Paul is guilty, look in verse 8. How is it that any one of you would deny the resurrection? We've all been taught throughout the Old Testament. We are the people who believe that God can raise the dead. That's what makes us different from every other religion. I'm the only one being consistent. They're the ones denying it. They're calling me guilty 
for blaspheming against God. Look in verse 11 how he says, when they sent me to punish Christians, I tried to make them blaspheme. If a Christian were to do what the Jews want them to do by denying Jesus, that is blaspheming God. That is dishonoring the name of God. He said, I will not do it. I haven't betrayed them. Following Christ is my only crime. And to a Jewish judge who was supposed to be waiting on the Christ, the promised Son and King of David, the Messiah, they should know that is the only thing that's not a crime. Point number two comes in chapter 26, verses 12 through 18. What are you guilty of, Paul? I didn't betray you. Secondly, he says, I believed Christ. That's what I'm guilty of. I believed Christ. Listen to what Jesus says to Paul that he believes. Chapter 26, verse 12. In this connection of persecuting Christians, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What are you guilty of, Paul? I believed what Jesus said to me when he said this. When he told me, look back in verses 12 through 15, when Jesus said to me, when I was persecuting all the people who believed in Jesus, but then I heard Jesus say, I am the Lord. I am the one you're supposed to worship. I believed Him. This is the third time Luke records for us Paul sharing his testimony of when he was saved. And after all that Paul has said about what a faithful Jew he was, of the, the most faithful man, you could say, of the only faithful religion in all the world. And here we are confronted again that the most faithful man of the most faithful religion needs a Savior. Paul was carrying out this persecution and and all of a sudden this light shines and he's blinded and he hears a voice from heaven. Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. 
If you don't know, a goad is a spiked rod that is used to drive beasts of burden to go where the master wants them to go. They're being stubborn and won't do what they are made to do. They hit them with a goad. And Paul, Jesus says to him, is kicking against the goads. You've seen that ridiculous scene of the dog who is pulling against the leash, doesn't want to go where the master wants him to go. I'm sure you're all aware, if you're not, let me make you aware of the demon-possessed kitty cat who scratches his own owner. This is the same kind of idea. Paul, Jesus says, you forgot your place. And the truth Jesus said to him is is true for us as well. If you commit yourself to silencing the message of the Lord Jesus, if you mistreat those who love Jesus, you're kicking against the goads. You are uselessly opposing Almighty God. And you are the only one who's going to get hurt in this. It's this moment that a light that is brighter than the sun blinds Paul. A voice comes out of the clouds. and proves to this man who is devoting his whole life to God and in the service of God is trying to silence the Word of Christ and kill Christians. But when that happens, he comes to realize he's totally wrong. That Jesus is God. Who are you, Yahweh? Who are you, God of Israel? I am Jesus. I made the light. I made the heavens. I'm in heaven. Your people killed me. I'm not dead. And all of a sudden, everything changes for Paul. And here's the truth. Once you meet Messiah, only He matters. If you ever come to meet the Savior God sent, the King God has exalted, the Messiah of the people of God, then only He matters. How how Paul answers this question, what are you guilty of, completely changes. He defended himself about all that he was doing before about how he was serving God by punishing people who believed in Jesus, to all of a sudden, his answer totally changes. He knows, what am I guilty of? Well, I better do everything in my life in service to the one God exalted. Everything I do from now on has to be in service to Jesus. Once you meet the Messiah, only He matters. 
Paul says, if you want to know what I was guilty of, I believed Christ when he said, I am the Lord. And I also believed Christ when he said, you are my servant. That's what, that's what Jesus says to him in verses 16 through 18. You are my servant and Paul believed him. I want you to think about this. This, let, let, let the ambitious man or woman, boy or girl inside of you get this. Paul was a high-ranking member of the most elite people in the world. He was a high-ranking Pharisee. And there he is, standing before a king who has come in pomp the text says, in purple and in gold, before a governor under Caesar. And he's no longer a high-ranking Pharisee. He's been in chains for two years. Probably looks very shabby. Why would he be willing to do this? Even the ambitious can accept the role of servant depending on what the Master calls you to do. What I mean is, you can forsake all your ambition that is focused on yourself and you can become a servant if it is a great high service that Jesus calls you to. And that's what he calls Paul to. To open the eyes of the nations. He says, rise up. I have made you a servant and a witness. Notice how the, verse 18 is full and rich. I want you to get it all. Uh, when, when he calls Paul at this moment to change everything in his allegiance now to, to the Christ of God, he says, I'm going to make you a witness. So when he speaks the gospel, and when you speak the gospel, two things are going to happen. And these are the very things that Agrippa, if he was a true and faithful person of God, would have been waiting for all of his life. And everyone in front of Paul, even the Gentiles in front of him, he's offering this when he says it. Two things happen when he gives witness to who Jesus is. Look in verse 18. When he opens the eyes of the Gentiles, the first thing that happens is there will be a result of the opening. Look at this. They will turn from darkness to light and they will turn from the power of Satan to God. When Paul speaks the gospel, listen to me. When you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is what happens. Blind eyes are opened. This is what was promised. Is that God would send a Savior who would open blind eyes and who would lead the blind in a way they could not have known any other way. He will lead them in paths that they have not known. He will guide them and turn the darkness into light. And this is what Jesus does through Paul. 
So he says, yeah, I'll be that kind of servant who serves the Savior who does this and who turns the most lost people in the world from being under the power of Satan to God. This is what God says about everyone who has ever been born. You and I were born under the power of Satan. The highest demon. And he held us for the only thing he can give us. And that is darkness and blindness that leads to death. And Jesus delivers us from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. He specifically has sent Paul to Gentiles. That's the people who had no idea who God was. Had no resources. Had no hope. But Jesus would be the Savior of the world. And so Paul says, I will be the servant of the only one who can possibly turn us from darkness and from Satan. But there's a second thing in verse 18. There's a result of, of witnessing, of opening the eyes of the blind. It, it turns them from darkness to light. It turns them from the power of Satan to God. But do you see the, the purpose that he lists there for them turning away from those things? they will receive forgiveness of sins and a place among the sanctified. So Paul looks to the king of the Jews. And I look to you. This is why Jesus, the Son of God, died. He found himself in the same courts as Paul. They all called him unfaithful to God. The Romans would not free him even though they couldn't find anything to kill him for. They killed him. He wasn't guilty before God. And he died anyway. Jesus died because God promised someone's got to lead the dead to life. Someone's got to walk through death. Someone needs to provide forgiveness for the sinners. I need a sinless sacrifice. And the Son took on flesh and He died for that. To forgive sinners. And when you turn to, in faith to Him, you are forgiven of all your sins. And you also receive a place. Only He can give you a place among the sanctified. That means God is going to take this whole world and divide them into two sides. And over here are going to be the, the sanctified. Those He set apart as holy who will receive life and everyone else will get hell forever. And it is by faith in Christ, believing in the one God sent, the one who died, that you receive forgiveness, but also life eternal. I don't know how you came in this morning in your relationship with Jesus Christ and what you were living for before. You are guilty before someone. And if you haven't followed Christ, you're guilty before God. But if you will turn from your sins and trust in Jesus Christ right now, 
He will forgive you of your sins. Which is to say, for the rest of your life, when you think of the question, what am I guilty of? Not sins before God, because of His Son. And He will give you a place among the holy. So Paul says, I believed Him. That's what I'm here for. I believed Him when He said, I am the Lord. And I believed Him when He said, you are my servant. And I served Him. Will you serve Him, church? Do you believe? Yeah, He has not appeared to you in a blinding light. You haven't heard His voice from heaven and you don't need to. Do you believe He's made you a witness like He makes every one of His children a witness? Can you get Paul's mindset that once I have met the Messiah of God, It is not anyone else's opinion that I'm living for. And if anyone accuses you for being faithful to Him, understand it's them who is wrong about what makes you guilty. No one can do for you what Jesus Christ can do for you. And no one can give to you what only Jesus Christ can give to you. Following Christ then should be your only crime. What are you guilty of? Paul says, I did not betray you. I believed Christ. And next he says, I obeyed Christ. I obeyed Christ. What you see in verses 19 through 32, Luke is highlighting three ways that Paul obeyed Christ. And these these three things are the things that have gotten him into all this trouble. First, he says, I obeyed Christ by proclaiming Christ. Look in verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. To the heavenly vision, that is to say, to the one who appeared and spoke, Jesus. I was not disobedient to him, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the regions of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. That I'll just stop here for a second and say, hasn't Paul done this? Uh, He's described Coming to Jesus by faith is a turning away from darkness to light. A turning away from the rule of Satan to the rule of God. And here he says, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to repent. You need to turn to Him and you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You need to live a life that shows you're not resisting Him anymore. Paul is obviously living a life that shows he's not resisting Jesus anymore. He's obeying Him and proclaiming Him. And then verse 21, he says, this is the reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. You want to know what I'm guilty of? It's this. It's preaching Christ. To this day, I have... A, had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, He would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. What 
all of their Bible says Christ has done, and that's all I'm saying. Only Christ has suffered for sinners. And only Christ has been raised from the dead. And now Christ is bringing light to those who are in darkness. God said it would happen. Jesus has done it. That's all I'm saying. And that's why they hate me. This is really key. Paul's answer. Moses and the prophets. In other words, all that God has ever said was about Jesus. And because Jesus has already done what God said no one else can do, then everything, if you're a Christian, everything you do is either innocent or guilty depending on what it has to do with Jesus. All that matters for us is what does Christ want from me? What does He want me to do now? God has exalted Him. He has saved me to live for Him. And you can know that even when He leads you into trouble, you will experience what Paul experienced. What he says here in verse 22, that help will come to you from God whenever you suffer for His Son. God is on the side of those who suffer for His Son. And He will help you even if no one else will. I obeyed Christ. That's what I'm guilty of. I proclaimed Him, but now look, secondly, I persuade Agrippa. Look in verse 24. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus interrupts with this loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. For the king, Agrippa, knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Christian, I want you to put yourself in Paul's place. I should imagine you there that day. And the governor and the king come at you. What do you think you would have done? Can't you see how hard this is? Maybe you're never going to face kings and governors, or even be in a crowd like this. But I think you can understand how tempting it would be to cower right then. Because of the people and the power they have. The people who were in front of you. When it's the people who are right there who are the ones who are accusing you. When it's the people who are right in your sight who are responding angrily 
with nothing but words that are revealing unbelief. When you're under pressure, and you want to get out of the pressure, you just want to please these people because they're the ones in front of you. Paul's priority was not the people he could see. It was the one he couldn't see. And as persuasive as what you see is, and the pressure is, and their accusations, why can't we see Jesus? Don't be afraid of people on your level. The king is on your level. They're right in front of your eyes. On this world that's going to burn. Jesus can't be seen. Because he's already in heaven. He's already been exalted by God. He's already been victorious over this. Remember why you can't see him. And then honor him. Now I don't want you to misunderstand something. Because this is really easy to misunderstand. This idea of, I have an audience of one. I'm just going to do what Christ wants me to do. Some people, some people then act like people don't matter. Like at all. I want you to see from Paul that Christ mattering most does not lead to people don't matter at all. Look at him. Paul is pleading. He's persuading the people who are accusing him. The people who want to kill him. He's pleading. Why? Because Christ matters most and he's obeying Christ. And Christ wants him to do this. It makes Paul plead and persuade Agrippa and everyone who would listen. This wicked king, this poser who is on the throne of his king, the Lord Jesus, he's still pleading. Will you trust Christ? Don't you believe? I know you believe. Turn to him. Christian, the king has said, All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. And I send you to make disciples of all nations. Of all the Gentiles in your life. Of all the godless people in your life. Of all of those who hate the truth. Of all of those who are full of sin. Christ wants you to do that with this kind of heart. A heart that cares whether they respond. And pleads with them. Turn to Christ and you will be forgiven. He obeys Christ, so he proclaims Christ. He persuades a wicked king. Thirdly, he's guilty of obeying Christ by appealing to Caesar. We saw this earlier in chapter 25 when he said, I want to go to Rome. Because Jesus said, you must go to Rome. Chapter 23, verse 11 Jesus appears to to Paul and he says, you're suffering, take courage, be strong. I'm sending you to Rome and you're going to preach. That's why he appeals to Caesar. And he lays out for every believer 
what we should do. You should believe what Christ says. You should do what Christ says. And you should go where Christ says. Following Christ should be your only crime because Christ is the only one in the world who has the authority of God. And so if you follow Him, you're honoring God and you're not guilty. It's evident Paul could have been free. That's what they say here at the end. Look how in verse 30, the king rose, the governor, they're all going to leave. Verse 31, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. They can't prove him guilty for anything. And then Agrippa says to Festus, he could have been free if he wasn't committed to obeying Christ and going to Caesar and preaching. He could have been free. There's something more important to Paul than being free. What are you guilty of? Everyone who follows Jesus follows Jesus to hatred, to the hate of those who do not believe. Someone is going to call you guilty. And it is very hard to wait. It's hard to wait when you're suffering. It's hard to wait for vindication. It's hard to endure people accusing you of things. And now, this moment can feel like the most real thing. It can feel very long whenever you're suffering or you're threatened. But beloved, never forget this. Even when you're suffering now, now is not as long as eternity. If you are following Christ, and that is your only crime, God will be the one to say not guilty. And He will give you life forever. So you have to choose. Like Paul chose. Who is it who will call you guilty? Because someone will. God in heaven, we pray that we would be faithful to the Lord Jesus. We pray that we would follow Him to the very end. That we would endure every hardship for Him. That we would truly believe there's more to this life than living here. Lord Jesus, make us faithful to You that we might live. In your name we pray, amen.